This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Now let's get into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzo. I am a firefighter training officer in Madison, Wisconsin. With me, as always, is the editor-in-chief, the captain, the commander, Janelle Fasquet. Janelle, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. I'm filming in a different location, so I'm a little bit thrown off. But, uh, you know, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area this time, different setting, a little gloomy out, unfortunately. But it's uh, it's always great to be up here. And different pets, possibly, they'll make a, yes. make an appearance today. <laughs> um, and, you know, and you, you have energetic pets you are watching. And this is probably one of the first episodes that our guest has more energy and more passion for improvement uh, than I do. We have with us, we have uh, Chief Corley Moore um, with us, uh, who uh, is an author, a motivational speaker. I've personally seen and it's great uh, to have him here. How you doing, Chief? Thanks so Do much for joining us. Doing great, brother. Janelle and Zam, I'm excited to be on Better Every Shift. Uh, excited for our conversation and humbled to be here. So, Well, we, we had to actually record early like uh, because I always waste all the good questions. Um, for, the, for our listeners that don't know that much about you, first of all, they need to. Uh, you're a battalion chief in uh, Moore, Oklahoma Fire Department. You're the founder of Firehouse Vigilance, which um, is great. Has a great social media following. Has a great community of of uh, fire service members. That's really aimed at never ending the fight against uh, complacency. You're the host of the Weekly Scrap podcast, which has over a million listens on on iTunes. Congrats for that. You're also a motivational speaker and instructor. Uh, I was able to see you a couple months ago, which prompted uh, us to to get on your your schedule. Um, you, you specialize specialize in topics of leadership, culture. Uh, you've authored a couple of books now: "Challenge Your Leadership" and "The Nine L's: uh, Keys to High Performance Culture." And I imagine there'll be another book coming. Um, uh, again, thanks so much for being here. We we talked off camera a lot about you know being better, trying to make uh, you know improvements. Have Have you always been that kind of improvement, self-improvement guru? And, and where does that stem from? Uh, no, first of all, no. Uh, one of the, one of the, I think strengths, I should say, and maybe a weakness, but is that I, I have a complete empathy and understanding for people who have fallen deep into complacency because I've been there in my career. And I've been to the point where the only thing I wanted to do at the fire station was show up and do nothing. And, and there's no excuse for that. I'm not, I'm not justifying that in any way, shape or form, but that shaped uh, my passion and my understanding and my love for the calling that this job is. But I also do understand how, how insidious, how seductive complacency is. And you don't realize you can fall into it. That's why it is the never ending fight against complacency. And so roughly 2016, I saw Mark Von Oppen fully involved. And he was one of the first people I ever saw who basically said, hey, it's OK to love this job and be awesome at this job. It's cool to do that, you know, and it was like mind-blowing to me at the time because that was not a culture that I was had ever been exposed to and so uh that was the the catalyst and I always credit him with that uh the he's the warriors and I started firehouse visions along with a lot of other things fit to fight fire national fire radio a lot of different things like that 
that started me down that path. But one of the biggest things is that I do have a huge amount of empathy for people who are not highly motivated, aren't plugged in, who've lost, who've been burnt out. So that is a part of it. Yeah, it's interesting. So you're, that's not the answer I thought you'd say, but it's, uh, it's a hundred percent like real. Cause we've all been there mm-hmm. and, and like you're saying, okay, I personally was complacent. It was one thing that kind of sparked as you were talking about. Um, and then what did you do? What was your first step? So you, did you, you just look in the mirror and say, Holy cow, I'm that guy or what happened I- then? I think it was more of a uh, an evolution or a transformation over time. I don't think there was a step, really. It was kind of realization, first of all, that, hey, you can love this job and you can be good at this job and it's okay to be good at this job and be passionate. I've always been a passionate guy, okay? So whatever, I've always, I mean, what's the ISTP? Uh, I don't know if you know the, the, the personality types, but ISTP gets infatuated with the problem. And they, but they don't care about the solution. They just want to know, oh, here's a problem. Can it be fixed? Oh, it can be fixed. Not interested in fixing it, just interested if they can figure out how to solve it. Once they can, they just move on. And that's, that's me, man. I've been through so many projects and stuff throughout my life. I've, uh, from writing even young, I used to, I've always been a passionate writer. And then, uh, being a front man for a rock band, uh, all the (laughs) different YouTube channels and things like that. And I always have thrown myself into those things. And then, but firehouse vigilance was the first thing. Cause I've always, you know, I've always loved being a firefighter, no matter where I was at in my complacency, I've always loved fighting fires and always loved, uh, going to fires and emergencies and being there when people need, uh, assistance and help. And so that part is, uh, ingrained in, but I think it was an evolution of saying, yeah, it's okay to, to be awesome at it and also be proud of that as opposed to you know, the dismissive, well, whatever, this is just a job, just a job, kid. Why are you excited? That is a pretty big transition, right? And transformation or evolution. So how did it go from realization about the complacency to making changes to realizing I could be a motivational speaker on this? <laughs> like, that's a that's a All big right. pendulum swing. How no doubt. There? Well, first of all, I'm highly introverted. So that's the that's first thing I tell people. And people, when they hear that, they're always surprised. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm an introvert, but I'm a, I'm a people person, which is a weird dichotomy. I love, I love people and I love what makes people tick. And, and I've always been an avid reader. And so you combine these things and I love reading about human behavior, human psychology. I've never gone to college. I just read. I read a lot. I love leadership books and organizational culture books and motivation books. And so you start combining these things, and I, I think I lost the question as I started to answer, but uh, I think it was just a slow process of wanting to share all the things I'd read and trying to figure out how to spread that message because I was so excited about it, so passionate about it. And uh, like the motivational speaking part, that part, it's so funny because I wear the Fitbit and I can see my heart rate before I speak. And when I first started, it would be like 160, 165. Cause I was just the anxiety of speaking. It's not natural to me. Uh, and now it's down to like 120, 130 when I start. So I've gotten a little better, but it's still there. And, and the reason I always wear a black polo and I, this is the inside this thing is because of the sheer amount of sweat, uh, when I speak. So, uh, anyway, how I many steps do you get? How many, I want, like, I, I, uh, I saw you gosh, it must've been in Jan- January, February, and I mean, it was a fairly big room, packed room, about 200 people. And man, you must have, you must have had about nine to 10,000 steps, you know, uh, throughout that. 
I think on a four hour class, if I teach a half block, a half a day, it's usually around 13,000 steps. Cause if I teach a full day, I basically get to 27,000 steps and it's, and it's like a half marathon, I think is what it comes out to of walking. <laughs> and I was just like, Whoa, and, but I don't even realize it at the time. It's the reason I have to wear the Adidas that I wear is because I used to wear dress shoes and my feet would kill me. And so I have to wear the Adidas. Yeah. Like and the black. Sponsorship the, there. Yeah. <laughs> wait, yeah. Right. He doesn't have to wear just Adidas, by the way, if you're a shoe company and uh, uh, I'm trying to help out chief here a little bit. Cause you know, again, I, I saw you and I, let's, let's talk a little bit about the nine L's because, okay. um, uh, what happened was I, you, you asked the audience, you're like, Hey, what are you guys reading? What are you seeing? What do I miss? Like these nine L's are things that I researched and have really hit me. But, but I, I thought that was a really cool part. Um, you know, it was almost like a, a rock band making your rock band reference coming out and saying, what do you guys want to hear for the encore? Um, or what do you guys listen to? What what kind of music can I make for you? You kind of said the same thing. And I just I've never seen that from a speaker before. And the room was, you know, throwing stuff out and and you had a, a, a great conversation and, and that connection. Um, so, you know, going back to what what are the nine L's like? And did you ever think it would get to where it is right now? And um, number one and then number two. What are they and what's your uh, kind of rationale behind creating them? That's a lot that will, but I'm going to shut up now and listen because I'm excited for this answer. Well, keep, keep me on track because uh, I'm not sure I'll track everything that, that was in the question, but I, <laughs> the nine L started and this is the, the funny part of the story or, you know, an, an anecdotal, but I was basically in Hobby Lobby following my wife around with the shopping cart and bored. And I saw live, laugh, love. You know, and everybody's seen it, everybody's seen it on walls, live, laugh, love. And, that, and, you know, my brain just started going, live, laugh, love. What else is there? You could listen and you could look. And and I, I don't remember all the original ones, but it was like seven of them. And at the time I was working on a officer development program for my own department, uh, just a class to give the, of, of some of the stuff that I believed in. I, I believe I was a captain, a company officer at the time. And so I wanted to share some of the things that worked for me and some of the things that had definitely not worked for me. And, and that's what, that was the germination of it. And it started, you know, as scraps of paper and writing in my little brain notebook. Uh, and eventually it became, I think it was 10 L's originally. And I, I don't remember which one went away or which two combined. I think it was lift and lower combined into level because originally there was lift others up and lower yourself, but those became level and became their own L. Uh, but uh, yeah. And it became the nine L's, which became a class that I started teaching initially uh, just to my own department, to the officers that the newly promoted officers saying, Hey, these are the leadership tips that have really worked for me. And these are the mistakes I made that I hope you can avoid. And that's where it started. And then, so give us a quick uh, elevator version of what the nine L's are. The elevator pitch. Uh, basically there are nine principles of leadership, all starting with the letter L uh, and it starts with, uh, learn because learn is the most important one if you can learn then all the rest of the l's are within your grasp if you can't learn then of course you can't grow so it starts with learn goes to listen because communication is everything and the key to communicating is listening uh, from there i, I don't want to get them wrong i'm putting on the spot but look uh level is number three level number three is all about understanding what level you are on in relation to the people that you serve the people that you're responsible for and then it moves from there to look because leaders have to have a vision. And if you don't have a vision and a clear vision, then, then your people will flounder. The, the people you're responsible for will seek their own or they will seek nothing. 
And then from there, it goes to laugh, which is a huge principle for me, especially around the firehouse. You have to, if you're not having fun doing this job, you are doing it wrong. Um, and there from laugh to love, which are very closely intertwined, but love is all about spending your time with your people, investing in your people. Uh, and then finally, the final three is uh, labor, putting in the work. You have to work. It, it, it takes work to do the nine L's. And then, uh, oh, did I skip seven? Live. Live is integrity. All about integrity and consistency. You have to live what you preach. Labor is number eight. Last is number nine. And last is not only the last one, but it's also the ability to last and do it for the long haul. And so there's the nine L's in a nutshell. Then there's the hidden L at the end, and that's the big reveal. But uh, no spoilers. Okay. You got to <laughs> attend. You got to attend. I, I agree. I, I, I um, you know, I've, I've touted the, uh, your, your presentation a couple of times and I, I've, I firmly believe um, you, you, you should go see it. Um, the book you can get on Amazon, I believe. Right. And, and firehouse digital, firehouse digital.com yeah. Amazon. And if you want it signed, go to firehousevigilance.com because I can sign it there. Amazon, of course, you get it faster probably because they're really good at shipping. <laughs> they got that down. They got it down. Right? Pat. Yeah. So out of the nine L's, what was the one that you looked at? I, I took to heart. I think probably more than, than, than any of them, which, what was the one that you're like, ah, oh, this is the one I really need to focus on first. Like my favorite is look, I love vision. I love understanding clarity of vision. That, that's the one that, that resonates with my soul. And it might be because it's a strength as opposed to a weakness that I need to work on more. And so, uh, consistency live. I, I think uh, if I'm honest, I struggle with consistency is, you know, I think that's what everybody struggles with because it's easy to get fired up for a little bit. But staying consistent, just like we were talking off camera beforehand, I've got to I've got to get kicking on a diet. We got the V90 coming up, which I'm really excited about. It's a 90 day challenge that, that we're going to do. And so it's kicking off July one, provided it all falls into place. And so but I'm excited about that because I need to be consistent and get back on it. And it's easy to fall off. And that's the never ending fight against complacency, myself included. Uh, but yeah, no, look is my favorite. Consistency is my struggle. And. Yeah, all the rest in between, just stuff to work on every day. Yeah, once you start, you it's like a like you said, you start here and then it just go, leads to the next to the next. Let's go back to complacency. Do you get ever do you, do you ever think people look at you and go, "Oh, this is easy for you"? And what would you say to that? I don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's a terrible answer, Corley. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I. I really don't, I don't know what they think. Uh, I know that I'm the luckiest person on the planet and the luckiest man in the fire service. I mean that from the bottom of my heart, the fact that uh, the scrap is, is as listened to as it is, as uh, the, the book has done as well as it has the classes. I, I'm just blessed to be, to be, I can always tell people, man, I'm so proud of it all, but I'm also very humbled that it's, that it's occurring. And I keep on, <laughs> one of the funny things was when I first started, I was like, reach out. And I remember reaching out. I think it was Rick Lasky. And I'm like, well, all he can say is no, you know. And then he said back, yes. And I was like, really? And then I still get that kind of that feeling every time I ask somebody. And they're like, yeah, I'll come on. I'm like, really? Okay, let's do this. And it's just awesome. And and at some point, maybe I'll start uh, believing it as opposed to, I think that self-doubt kind of drives me, if that makes sense. Just, yeah. Just being honest. You know, it's like at some point, someone's going to come along and pull the rug out and say, ha we're just kidding. This is not real. <laughs> You know, yeah. so maybe that, that, that one million, the one million listens, right. uh, we just made that up, right? right? Yeah. 
I don't know what it is about uh, my my mindset towards that. It's just never good enough. I got to keep I got to keep pushing. Got to keep pushing. And as far as what other if other people think it's easy, I don't know because I'm just lucky and blessed. And it, it truthfully, it has. I don't want to say easy because I put in a lot of work. I don't want to yeah. downplay that. But uh, I am. There's people that work just as hard and and don't have the 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 following and stuff that's built up. And I I can't say like I'm lucky. I don't have a better thing than that. And I'm gonna keep. Working hard to stay lucky. Yeah. So, but I think it's part of that too. Like, I mean, you work hard at this, and you know, you have your wife helps you out, your family's behind immensely. you, you know, and and sometimes people that are good like yourself make it look easy. And I think it's really easy for someone to look in and go, "Oh yeah, it's easy for for Chief Moore because you know he he knows this stuff back back and forth." But yeah, sure. even though we know it, right? Like you were saying, we all become complacent. Well, one thing, and I, I say I struggle with consistency, but one thing I'm very, very, very proud of is. Uh, Spotify at the end of the year always sends you the, uh, the the summary of the year. And when I got it for 2022, you know, and I get it every year in January or whatever, and it says, you published 53 episodes. You published 52 episodes. And I was like, yeah, heck yeah, I did. Because there's one a week and there's 52 weeks in a year. And yeah. so I'm very, uh, that's one of the, probably the strengths of the scrap is it's the weekly scrap. And hooker by crook for four years now, there's been an episode every week. And I'm very, very proud of that. because. Like I said, consistency is one of my struggles. So for me to overcome that and stay that consistent has been really awesome for me personally. And now I have such confidence and it's just a normal thing now. That's awesome. Congratulations on all the success of the podcast. And and speaking of consistency, I'm curious if you can share some of the consistent themes that you've heard over the years on the podcast. I know Aaron and I, we're only 30 episodes in. But we've already heard a handful of themes that just keep coming up from fire service leaders over and over again. I'm sure we'll do a show one of these days, like digging into some of these themes. But what what themes come up on your show? Actually, a very easy question, because one of the things about the scrap is it's live audience and they ask the questions like we always have a list of topics that me and the guests are going to talk about. And then the audience comes in and hijacks the show pretty much. Now, most of the time they stay in the wheelhouse of the guest because they're fans of the guest and they're staying in his wheelhouse. But uh, without fail, um, toxicity and leadership, uh, bad leadership, over bad culture, sick cultures, toxic cultures. Uh, how do you deal with complacency? Like a, a, a firefighter that's burnt out and doesn't want to train. How do you deal with a captain that won't let the crew be? It's just over and over and over. The questions come from the audience to the, no matter who the guest is, what do you do with a bad leader? What do you do with a bad captain? What do you do with a bad chief? What do you, you know, and it's just consistent. That is the consistent theme. Uh, in fact, if someone wants to uh, a life hack for building a podcast, I'd build it around what to do with toxic leadership. Like then, so. And it, 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 the ironic uh, part about this is on our, our question list, one of my next questions is, okay, what do you do with somebody that doesn't, you know, what do you get when you have a leader that, you know, you're starting to live by the nine L's. How do you, how do you get someone else to to look into that and go, yeah, we need, I need to be, become a better leader. So that was my next question. No, absolutely. So go ahead and answer that it's, question then. No, it's like me and chief Scott Thompson. Uh, we, we, we've had so he's such a great mentor of mine, but we're really good friends. And he wrote the forward for the nine L's and we've had this discussion so many times, you know, and we've kicked it back and forth. And honestly, the nine L's is my answer to that question, the book itself, because at the end of the day, motivation is intrinsic and we want people 
to have you guys have seen the movie The Breakup with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn. And it's such an unbelievable cool scene where they're done with the party and she wants him to clean the kitchen and he wants to veg out on the couch and play video games. And she's like, no, let's do the dishes. And he's like, fine, we'll do the dishes. And she's like, never mind. And he's like, what? You wanted to do the dishes? She's like, no, I want you to want to do the dishes. And he's like, why would I want to do the dishes? You know, and it's such a beautiful scene because it encapsulates so much. But at the end of the day, it comes down to your organizational standard. It, and, and, the, and the sad part is most organizations do not possess a standard that they can point at and say, this is the bar you have to meet. So when that doesn't exist, everybody gets to meet their own standard. But if a person is meeting the organizational standard, then as a in a position of authority, there's there's very little you can do if they do not want to better themselves. And so my answer is the nine L's, which is all about building relationships. It's all about listening to your people, building those relationships, live, laugh, love, learning from them, connecting with them, putting in the work with them. Because if you can make that connection, then that connection can be leveraged to make them want to improve themselves. And they will do it if you have that relationship with them. But that's the only way I figured out to get people to want to rise above the minimum if they don't already have that drive. And so I don't know if that's a good answer, but that's the answer I'm working towards because ultimately you can't make somebody want to wash the dishes. You can't make them want to train. You can force them out there to do reps, but you can't make them enjoy it. You cannot make them desire to do it. And that's what the nine L's really is all about is making a connection with a person so that they understand your heart and your motivation is you're not you're wanting them to go out there and throw that ladder so that they're better at throwing the ladder so that they're better at serving the citizen. You want them to be the best version of themselves and you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for them. And when they start connecting with that, man, then they start wanting to do it. And so, yes, that's, uh, but that's all I figured out so far. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I was just, I'm curious. Cause like, and maybe this is the same question just asked a different way, but I think of that as leading your people, right? But what about leading up or managing up if you're the one following yes. the nine L's, but your supervisor is the nope. one who's got the issue? Oh, yeah. uh, is it the same answer? Just living your best life, essentially, and this, hoping they learn via osmosis or something? This is a yeah, this is one. In fact, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, I was teaching a class and this came up over and over. And ultimately, like I'm a huge fan of Jocko all extreme ownership and dichotomy and his podcast. And, and he talks about empowering your, your supervisor, empowering your leader and investing in him so that he's more effective. So that you have more uh, influence within the organization and becoming indispensable and all that. And I believe in all of that. And, and the thing I always tell people is you can absolutely empower your leader. You can set a, a, a expectation for your leader the same way you set them for your subordinates, the people you're responsible for. The problem becomes when, you can hold your people accountable easily because you have the authority, the positional authority to do so. So when you're responsible for people, you can set the expectation and then hold them accountable. The problem becomes when you set an expectation for your leader, even when it's agreed to, the accountability becomes the issue because if they refuse to be accountable, then they're, they, you are, literally are unarmed in a knife fight or a gunfight. And there's, there's not a lot you can do. Uh, I firmly believe in leveraging relationships, but at the end of the day, if you can't form a relationship with a narcissistic leader or just a, just a, just a, there's, I hate, I'm trying to say this the right way. There's good people who are bad leaders in positions of authority and they're good people with good hearts. They just lack the tools necessary to be successful in their position. And it's wildly frustrating 
But at the end of the day, you know, I go to Frank Viscuso and, and so many others. You, you have to focus. Uh, one of the books that changed my life is Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits Seven of Highly Effective People. Yeah, it's a fantastic book. And if you want to be an effective person, read that book. But long story short, the sphere of influence and the sphere of concern. And, and the, the, your bad leader is in your sphere of concern, but sometimes may not be in your sphere of influence. So you have to focus on what you can actually influence. And when you do that, it will grow over time. So if you're a battalion chief, let's say, like I'm a battalion chief in charge of one battalion, I can control what happens in my battalion and I can be the buffer from the bad leadership coming down. And I, I, I picture it like a, like a rock and there's a waterfall and I'm the rock and then all the water goes around and I, and I, set up my people for as, as much success as I can. And I wish I had a better answer, like how to, I, you know, if I could just snap my fingers and make a leader set, adopt half the principles of the nine L's, man, I think the world would be a better place. Yeah, but, I agree. and truthfully, I struggle with implementing them at times and staying consistent in them at times. So it's, it's a, and I wrote them. <laughs> right. Right. It's a constant battle. It's, it's, um, you know, it's just like fitness, right? It's yes. a journey. Health and yes. wellness. It's, it's a journey. Leadership is a skill. It's just like, uh, you know, being fit. You know, There's no you, destination. There's no, I, I won at fitness. I won at leadership. It's right. Just, yeah. Yes. I made it. Well, <laughs> let's, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta wake up the next day, you know, but it's a great know. question, Janelle. I hope I did it justice. Uh, but it's yeah. just, yeah. Do you, do you question then, um, do you, do you ask some trying to kind of calculated questions then to the, to that, that, that leader above you that maybe doesn't, you know, like, are there ways that you uh, try to get that message to them to, to, Hey, maybe you could work on this or, you know, I mean, obviously you try to build that relationship. Right. And as you do, do you question them on things like, Hey, what is your, uh, uh, you know, uh, plan or what is your vision? And, and then see if maybe that's where, where the, the differential is. No, absolutely. And, and, and the, uh, I want to a, a be very clear that this is kind of in the abstract as opposed to, this is not problems I'm currently having in my organization. Yes. Yes. But By the way, I, yeah, we're not going to get you in trouble. That's <laughs> no, no I we're saying, but I want to, I want to be clear. Like, I don't want to be like, I'm not, but I've had issues where, uh, in the past with certain people in positions of authority and things like that. So a lot of it's based off those experiences. And then the sheer number of conversations that I've had as I teach, it's just these recurring themes that, that come up, but uh, so in a nutshell, the question is how do you build a relationship so you can have that effectiveness or am I? Yes. Yeah. And, and do you, you know, do you question, you know, cause there's a lot of things that you, you see, you know, do you throw some of those questions up to the, to the leaders above you? Obviously you have to rephrase them and, and delicately deliver them. But you know, is that a, is that a means to, to possibly make that connection? Right. Uh, one of the biggest struggles I have personally is being right versus being effective. And as human beings, we, we're very good at always thinking we're right. So we always believe we're right. And then a lot of the times we are right. Don't get me wrong. We are correct. We're right. But being right does not mean you're being effective. And so there's times when I can absolutely chop off my nose to spite my face because I'm right. And I'm, and I'm telling my boss that I am right and they're doing this wrong. And this is why. And it's just wildly ineffective. And not only is it ineffective then, but I'm, I'm hurting myself for the future mm. so that I'm, I'm damaging my ability to have influence in the future. And, and, and it's such a balance because it's easy to say, well, uh, I want to be effective, so I'm not going to deal with this issue. And you can use it as a tool of avoidance, which is not the, not the point at all. And then the other side of it is uh, 
you can, yeah, just avoid the avoid the confrontation, and and claim that you're just being effective, and it's not. You, it's a, such a dichotomy and a balance of trying to figure out how you can influence and and build that relationship versus uh, completely submarining your ability to impact the organization by working through your leaders. Yeah. It's almost like you got to choose your battles in some cases. Right. And that's a great way of saying it and work at, uh, delivery, I think. Right. Like, and that, and that goes back to building that relationship. You understand what, what the best delivery is then, you know, and, and I think that's exactly what you're saying there. Right. And the ultimate frustrating part of it is, is you could do every, you could do everything right from the position, the subordinate position. And then they could still say, no, no, no. Uh, And they could also reject any, any overtures towards building that relationship and building that open communication and building that trust. And if they do again, you're unarmed and there's not a lot, you have to focus on what you can actually influence. And it's a very frustrating place to be. That's when you go right back to these and just say, Hey, that's what I'm doing. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Well, this is great. This is crucial because it's the same theme. We get we we have this the same conversation, so it's it's and and like I said, it was one that I wanted to ask. So I appreciate you you digging into that. Yeah, we're definitely hitting the rabbit holes and going crazy. So I hope oh that, yeah, well I hope you guys can edit this up and make it sound leg, uh, legible and and uh, yeah. Well, pretty much our listeners know I have ADD anyway. So you know, between you and I, I think we're this is perfect, man. And you had mentioned Stephen Covey, um, great book by the way, Seven Habits. Um, I've read the book numerous times. I've tried to follow it numerous times. Um, what other books have influenced you and and which ones would you recommend um, our listeners to read? Oh man, uh, man, phenomenal question. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually cheat and go to my my Google Drive here while we talk and go to my book notes. Because I, I I'm I, I you you taking the class, you know I highlight like crazy yeah. when I when I, I read. think you said this one too. Yeah. Right? Well I, I, I do crucial confrontations. I actually haven't read conversations. Okay. So that's me. I haven't read the red one. I read the blue one. I love the blue one. And I went to order the red one, but because the names are so similar, I ordered two copies of the blue one. Yeah, that's right. I think you said that <laughs> I seen your seminar. Yeah, I think I ordered this during your seminar. Actually, is that one, one pretty? Breaks. Is that one? I, I I know I don't know if you've read the blue one, but I mean I I mean to read that one. Here's the problem: my book list is currently I want to say at 86 books that I plan to read, because every time I like every time I teach the class, I always ask the audience what books have impacted your life, and there's a lot of repeats, but. Absolutely. Uh, it just keeps growing. Uh, okay. Man's Search for Meaning. One of my favorite books of all time. Absolutely love it. Viktor Frankl and uh, everything that he went through. Uh, phenomenal book on un- just understanding that you control your response to any situation, man. And, and, and his story is amazing in the fact that he could still have that mindset. It's your ship. Uh, Abershoff's It's Your Ship. Uh, I didn't realize how much of an impact that had on my life until I went back to read my notes years later that I typed up from it. And I'm like, wow, there's so many principles of the nine L's that came from It's Your Ship that I just stole from him. Like I 100% give him credit for that. Uh, Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. This is my favorite leadership book, period, that people ask me, what's your favorite? It is it. I'm not saying it's the best one. It's just my favorite. It gets into the nerdy stuff about uh, the serotonin, oxytocin, dopamine, and, and the good cocktail that happens when people interact with each other and spend time together and those bonds that form that are chemical, not just, not just, you know, emotional. These are actual physiological connections you make with people. And then of course the opposite, the cortisol, the bad cocktail, the, the endorphins stress. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The stress response. He, he yeah. talks to people like he doesn't, you know, you, you, you mentioned level, like I think he's, he's somebody who 
when you hear him and and when you read him, like he kind of seems he seems to talk to you at the same level, right? He doesn't talk down. And no. I think that's a great example. And he, you know, he talks uh, in a way I was just like Forrest Gump, like mama used to talk in a manner that make me understand it. Like, right. I think you do a great job of that, too, by the way. I think that's one of the well, reasons you. why you're, you're very successful is that you're super honest and um, and that you you really give people something usable, too. So I, I, I want to pay that compliment when I can and not to interrupt what other books you got there, by the way. No, no, no. Absolutely. I, I, like you said, Cynic and Maxwell. Maxwell's one of my anything by Maxwell. Uh, I love Maxwell. But Maxwell's gift is the one you just talked about. He can connect with any audience just like instantly when he's speaking. And he, he's not just a storyteller, although he's amazing, but he can just start talking and you just listen. Even if you've already heard it before, you know what he's going to say. He's amazing. I love Maxwell. And all uh, the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by Maxwell is one of the one of my favorites. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the – Developing the Leader Within You. Phenomenal book by Maxwell. Two of my favorites by Maxwell because he's written like 80. Uh Try to think, uh, leading, no, uh, culture code, Daniel Coyle, Coyle's culture code. He also wrote the talent code, which is on my list, but I haven't read, but culture code is amazing book on building cultures that work, that click high performance, whatever term you want to put on it. I love that book. Uh, culture code is phenomenal. It talks about the importance of language in a culture and how you deliberately build language and people who are on the outside looking in are like, that's corny. That's stupid, right? But people who belong to it, it's just normal. And it's the way it is. And they take ownership of it. And it's those minor things that he explains. And you start doing this stuff on purpose and it and it works. And it's crazy because it's not just theoretical. It works. Mm-hmm. Um, man, Seven Habits, we touched on it. Yep. Uh, uh, Robert Greene's Laws of Human Nature. One of my all-time favorite books. Big book. But man, he's so good at telling stories and driving home the points. If you want to understand human behavior, the laws of human nature. Man, I love the book. I love it so much. I got 48 Laws of Power, which I did not like. But not the point. Uh, Robert Greene's Laws of Human Nature. I've been typing the notes on it for probably a year. And because I haven't been consistent, it's still sitting on my desk. It sits in one of those recipe holders that kind of holds it open. Oh, yeah. So, so that I can type up my highlights. So and it's this- I- let me ask you, let me ask you this, because you you read a lot, like, what do you, what, what kind of, what's your formula for productivity? A, it's wildly peaks and valleys. So when I'm consistent, I wake up early and I do, well, I have the, I can show you, hold on. I got a mess here, but this is 2021's book. Oh, I got them right next to I, I, I was working on something. Here's 2020's oh, book and 2021's book. And so this is, this is evolved. So here in 2020, you can see, I start with (laughs) just to get completely nerdy. Here's a page out of the book and I used to plan the day. So you can see here, I was being lazy that day. Lazy, 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 Uh, (laughs) workout, lunch, scrap prep there, presentation work, work on the nine L's anyway, dinner, uh, scrap with Von Oppen. So that was that, I don't even know what day this was, uh, August of 2020. But that's my day. And then my priority is over here in the corner, like what I really needed to get done that day, presentations I needed to work. That was originally. And then the end of the day, I would write down how good I did. And that was where it started. And then through the years, it evolved. So this was the next year's book. And I can actually go back and look at these books and kind of see how I did that year. But it's turned into the V90, which is not a commercial for the V90 or nothing, because this is and this is the current version of it. It's very sim. It's got a lot of symbols and it's a lot easier to fill out. So long story short, answered your question. <laughs> is in the morning when I wake up and I pull out my V90 book and I fill out the day, man, it sets, cause you got to start, 
your day by being grateful. So you sit down and you say, what am I grateful for? And you write down something that you're grateful for. It doesn't matter what it is. Just write down that you're grateful. And then from there, I fill out the V90 book. So I got my day planned kind of, and then I read. And sometimes I can get my full hour reading in, or sometimes I can only get 20 minutes, just depending. But so, the best days are when I can knock out the hour and then I feel set up for the day. Then it's workout. If it's, if it's day off, it's hit the gym. And then some days I'll do jujitsu at noon because there's no morning jujitsu. So I do the jujitsu at noon as opposed to the morning gym. So that just depends on the day when I plan it. But when I do that and I set up the day early, man, it's a successful day. The days where I let it slip, uh, it's a, it's very hit or miss. And that's where my consistency and my struggle is on the V90. It's a 90 day challenge. One, the first time I did it, I made it to day 47 before I traveled to FDIC and fell off and, 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 scrapped it. And I said, okay, I'm restarting. I restarted again. I made it today like 65 and 65 is where I failed and, and, and just had that snowball effect and no excuses is my own failure. So I'm getting ready to do it with a whole bunch of the vigilantes. I think there's 50 of us all going to do it together and be accountable. And I'm pretty excited to see if I can actually complete the 90 day challenge and, and see, cause it's all about, uh, there's, there's a section in there where you have to make a connection with somebody that you haven't talked to in a while. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like my sisters. I have four sisters and I love them to death. They're, you know, but you, and everybody's this way, I think, is that you wake up and realize I haven't talked to them in three months or yeah. four yeah. months because I haven't done it intentionally. And so that's part of it is you have to make those connections and, and do it intentionally. And the really cool part, I don't know if it's in this one. I'll show you. Yeah, the connection map. So you do this as you go along. And it's really cool to me because everybody that you call, you draw a line and circle. So there's Amanda and She's got a bunch of stars because I did her multiple times throughout the yep. thing. And at the end of it, you can look back and say, wow, look at those connections I remade. It's cool. I love it. So, and you're obviously passionate about it. <laughs> but it, oh, I think it's a, my language. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's something that we don't talk about in the fire service. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, like I look at, you know, I, I wonder, you know, we've had quite a few successful chiefs on here and they all have a system that they've created, but we don't teach that in any manual. We don't teach that anywhere. I mean, you're one, one that's taught that talks about it. And I think that's why you're successful. Well, and, and the big thing is I did this for, I started the first book was 2019. I started, and at first I hit it because I was like embarrassed that I needed to, to, you know, it was like, but then I shared it one time with, I think it was uh, Jeremy and Rob from national fire radio. And they're like, Corley, that's amazing. You need to tell more people about this. And I was like, okay, uh, I thought it was a pretty nerdy thing that only I did, you know, to try and get my organized or disorganized, my chaotic brain in some organization. So, oh. and it's evolved. And the cool part is all the people that are doing it, this, this, this next one, we're starting July one, they're the beta testers. And then we'll, we'll adjust and see what can make it better. You know, so it's going to be pretty cool. Oh man. Organizational stationary. It's like, it's like my love language. Uh, I've <laughs> been to the, I love that. Go ahead. <laughs> Into the depths of the internet looking for the best planners and organizers because I mean some of us are just wired that way. We just Dude, need one hundred percent schedule. There is and, a thing where Amanda would not let me go to Staples or Home Depot or uh, Office Depot or Office Max by myself because I'd come back with all these organizers and ledgers yep. that were gonna get, make me productive. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, oh yeah, I, no, no, I'm showing like, you all my little <laughs> oh, yeah. like notes too. I have, yes. I have them here too. Yeah, for those uh, who are not watching the video version, there's a lot of uh, manuals, charts, flowcharts, <laughs> shown, uh, which is just fantastic. But Aaron, you're right. I mean, so many people we've talked to, they they have a plan. That's the difference. Is like they map out their day or their week or their month, whatever makes sense for them and their lifestyle. Um, 
but it's it's a mindset you kind of have to click into that way of thinking and that's not easy for everybody no but but yeah if you can get in that mode it's it's very helpful i will say go ahead yeah chief brugman was uh on the show and, and that's another book like he wrote um advanced fire and emergency services administration book now it might be a little dry for some but there are some good pictures but he said he said everybody in the fire service needs a 135 whether you're a firefighter whether you're a chief whether you're you know um you know paramedic EMT whatever it is um and and I actually wanted to ask you what's your 135 and do you do you agree with that I think you I I don't know about actually agreeing on the 135 although I think yes uh, short term long medium midterm long term I think you need that whatever that looks like for you depending on how fast your world is moving uh, but I, I, I absolutely think, yes, you need a deliberate plan. I think the one thing that every successful person has in common, and there's lots of nuance to this, this I'm painting with a broad brush, but is that they're deliberate in the direction that they're heading. They're intentional. And so, yes, although I said not necessarily, but yes, one, three, five, I think you absolutely need it. Because if you're not, then you're relying on luck or hope. And neither one of those are a strategy. And you have to be deliberate if you want unless you're just willing to end up where you end up. I'm not saying people aren't successful without it, but the one thing that I think, uh, yeah, I hope that, yeah, I'll stand by it. I'll stand yeah. by it. Final you, answer. I don't think you necessarily agree with that time frame. Like the time frame can be whatever, right. you know, it doesn't have to be one, three, five, you know, what about you? What's yours? Like, where do you see yourself next year, a couple of years down the road? And then, you know, let's say five years, we have you back on the podcast. Yeah. What's that sound like? Man, that's a great, great, uh, great question because one thing I do and I always say this is I'm in a I'm in a beautiful window right now. All three of my kids, all three of my children are adults. Two of them are married. One of them is a 22 year old uh, single man on Oklahoma City firefighting, and so uh, but they're all adults and I have no grandkids. So me and Amanda are in this beautiful window of you know our, if we if we jump out the window and go away for two weeks or travel for two weeks, the only thing we're missing is our dogs. You know and they love dog the 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 kennel. And so we're not missing little league and we're not missing dance recitals. So right now life is hundred percent focused on firehouse vigilance and, and, and being able to travel, speak, write uh, podcast. And I know that that window is shrinking because when the grandkids get here, I know I'm going to be ate up just like everybody. I, I mean, it's going to be amazing. And, and that, you know, I got a 26 year old daughter, 25 year old daughter, 22 year old son. So I know the grandbabies are in the near future. So by my, my one year is man, just, enjoy the freedom uh and maximize this window that i'm in and then the three year is what does the future look like with grandchildren what does firehouse vigilance look like with grandchildren and the balance because the one thing i preach over and over and over there is no such thing as work family balance there's not family's first period if you ever have to worry about balance you're you're out of whack period mm -hmm. And, uh, so family's first and that, I don't want to, I, I got to live by what I preach. So the three year is adjusting to that and still staying as effective and consistent as I've been. So that's, that's the challenge. And then on the five year man, the, the biggest thing on the five year is probably I'm at 26 years on the job. So it's probably really getting close to that, hanging it up for the final time in the five year plan. And that's kind of scary because I'm not ready. And so anyway, that's kind of, that, that's the one I push back. Like, let's yeah. not think about that. One that right might now. be a seven, eight, nine, yes, 10. Yes. <laughs> and I feel good. I feel young. I feel like I'm 20. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I really do. Like, I, I know I'm not, and my body likes to tell me I'm not, but I feel, I feel good. So I don't, I, I don't know yep. if that was, 
That's awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm for those that are, I'm just, I'm, I'm grinning and I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling just because if you can't, uh, if you, if you haven't watched it, you got to watch this video just because you can see the passion come out of, of uh, Chief um, here out of his eyes and out of, out of just, you know, I, I just, I enjoy watching how passionate you are. And, and that, that comes to one of my uh, like final serious questions is where does that passion come from? Mm. And I don't, I really, I tell people all the time, uh, I've always been, I don't know another word than to repeat the word. I've always been passionate. I, I love, uh, I, I always tell people this. I write my ditties. I don't know. Uh, did you see the nine L's? Have you seen any of the other presentations? Cause I do. I my just ditties. saw the nine L's. On. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. don't do any ditties with the nine L's. It's strictly the, the, the notes and the, the, the class. But when I do my ditties, I play music and I'll speak and, and, one of the things about them is I just write them all the time. I, I get an idea and I write it out and they're little short speeches, three or four minute speeches that play over music. And I love doing them. I really do. They, they get me fired up and they can get the crowd fired up. And I love, but I, I'll, I connect with them and I write them. But the thing I always tell people is when I hired on, I was 20 years old on the job and I would go on a kid that wrecked his car and died in a, in a horrific accident. And it would be a 20 year old kid my age and it didn't bother me. Like it didn't bother me. I was like, man, that's weird. It doesn't bother me at all. I'd go on, I'd have, I had babies young um, and I'd go on dead children that were my kid's age and it didn't bother me at all. And, and I would honestly, and I tell people this all the time. I, when I teach, I told I, yesterday at Altus, I was telling them, I was like, if you're young and in this job, understand it's not normal. I'm not saying it's normal, but that's not something you should be worried about. You're not a psycho. Cause I used to wonder, am I psychopathic? I mean, is there, is there something wrong with me psychologically? Because I should be bothered by this stuff. Now I say all that to say this, you fast forward 26 years later and a sad dog commercial can come on the TV and I'm reduced to tears. So I understand there's a cost to it. It wasn't that it wasn't affecting me. It just wasn't affecting me then. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what I wanted people to understand. And so I'm very, very passionate about mental health. I'm very, very passionate about looking out for each other, taking care of each other and, and spreading and beating this drum of it is OK to, to not be OK. Everybody can take different, different amounts and, and we have to look out for each other. It's our duty to look out for each other. We cannot be reactive. We have to be proactive. We can't ask if people are OK after someone blows their head off. We have to do it long before that point. Um, I'm really meandering and getting off topic, but uh, I've always been passionate. I love that stuff. And I think that's just the way the job has affected me is that uh, one of the ways I get it out is through speaking, you know, get out all of the, uh, everything that's trapped in there is through speaking and sharing and being passionate. Yeah. And, that's, and it refills you, know, you. That's what I, oh, yeah, that's I, the best I, part. Like, it really is. Yeah. You know, I never and, put it, it that way, but yes, it, it, it does. Um, I, I, I was just in New York, uh, speaking and, you know, uh, I didn't have 200 people in my audience, but it didn't matter. Like you, you feed off that five to get better and come back and have this conversation with you. Like after this, man, I'm going reading and going to work out. Hopefully you're going to go work out too. Or after this, like, um, I, I think when you find that, that thing that you, you're good at number one, which you are, and that you're making an impact, it, it continually fuels you. Doesn't that? Oh, and I can't only, like, I know, get me wrong. There was times when I would go and teach a class, there'd be two people in the class and, and it was, you know, and you were like, it was my message good enough. Only two people, but it does. That refills you. The two people that were there were like, that was one of the best things I've heard. I needed that today. And that refills you. And then because again, I'm lucky to have the success that now people show up, you know, with, and, and I, again, I don't know 
I, I want to say how lucky I am for that, but not the point is absolutely. Now, two things. It's a dichotomy again, because I am so drained at the end of teaching, you know, part of it's the yes. steps. Don't get me wrong, but just completely emotionally drained from giving it out. And then so recharged at the same time from giving it out. And, and, and yeah, so it's this unbelievably can, cool combo. I can relate a hundred percent, you know, especially being kind of introverted myself. Right. You know, like even after doing these podcasts, I, I got to take a little, little time. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you gotta I, I suppose you, you gotta, you, there's a point where you're done. You got to go to your room. You just, you're there with your people and you, you recharge and that's space. all right. Space. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. My safe yeah. space. Well, well, awesome. Uh, really unbelievable stuff. You and I could talk for hours and, um, it, which I would really love to do. I was just pondering, yeah. I'm like, how no, can we absolutely. make that happen? How can we, we do, do this for hours? Um, but we have something called a hot seat where we, we do some, some questions that are, they're, they're, I like to say they're always created by my mom and Janelle's mom, but they're, you know, our listeners will come in and, and email us some things uh, also. And they're, they're quick hitters. Sometimes they're about life. Sometimes they're about philosophy. And um, so anyways, this is kind of like, Hey, quick 30 second, answers these questions. Janelle is going to lead off. She always has, I got a caveat, which is I'm not good at quick. Okay. So I'm just, (laughs) I'm throwing that out there. Uh, (laughs) I I just say it. I'm a contemplator. Here's Uh, your challenge. You have to do number two, listen, and then you have to communicate really well. Right. Right. Okay. I was for that, but yeah. All right. Good tie in. in. Solid. Okay. Janelle, sorry. Let's start it off. Who's your hero? Mm. Man, I, so many, so many. But instantly, I think of my son. My son is my hero. He has never given up. He he. Three years solid trying to get on the fire service, even though he never he, all his life he never was going to be a firefighter. Then they he turned eighteen. He's like, Do you know what, Dad? I'm gonna I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be on the job, and he did. He stuck to it. He tried through rejection. He got better through rejection. Got better. Did the stuff he needed to do. Man, I love 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 that kid. And absolutely, and that's that's a hard thing to pick. Do not get me wrong, because. Uh, there are so many people who have invested in me that that's tough. But I, he, the, the first thing I thought of when you asked me that question and I'll go with quick was my son is my hero. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, if you were to require any training for your fire department, which by the way, uh, just so everybody knows it is, he does work for the Moore fire department. It's not named after him, but um, you know, maybe someday they'll, they'll, it, it will be in, in, uh, in total context. But if, for your fire department, what's the one mandatory training everyone has to go through? Huge fan of Scott Thompson, the functional fire company. And he's got the first five minutes, uh, the big five for the first five and the big five, the basics. Just if you master the basics, uh, you know, stretching hose, forcing doors, uh, firefighter safety and survival, masking up and, and bunking out. If you master the throwing ladders, if you master the basics, then no. And I preach this all the time, but no matter what comes along, the basics are off the table, and now you have bandwidth to deal with and make decisions. And so 100%, it is the basics. Mastering the basics, taking them out of the equation so that you're not worried about those things when things get hard and charging. And when things are just mundane and normal, you're crushing it. You're knocking it out of the park because you've mastered the basics. And so 100% mandatory training would be just just the the, the first five, the, the big five for the first five. That's a good one. Now, you mentioned that you're an introvert, which I'm sure surprises some folks. I do get that a lot. Uh, now, do you have any tips for public speaking for introverts? Like, is there anything that you do, like a psych up for yourself or anything to try and get that heart rate down before you before you get up there? 
Oh man, any rituals? Uh, yeah. Man, honestly, the ritual for me is the slides. Uh, if you've been subjected to one of my presentations, then you understand what I mean when I say the slides. Uh, the slides are what keep me on track. Without my, if if I ever get to a point where I cannot, like you know, uh, one of the famous Simon Sinek uh, TED talks is where the none of the AV stuff worked, and he ended up having to do it with the whiteboard or the the, the flip the flipboard the flip uh, yeah. notepad, and it's a it's an unbelievable great TED talk, my favorite one by him, in fact. But if my slides ever go away, I don't know what I would do because I'm really not that good at just speaking. If that may, I'm not good at just just going, and. And so my, my slides are my foundation, my rock, my framework yeah. that keeps me from being a gelatinous cube up there. <laughs> so find a, something that grounds you, yeah. I guess, like for if, if you need to get up and speak. Whatever it is for whoever you are. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. And I know one of his is uh, music from his, uh, from attending. So here we go. Uh, hot seat question. Three most motivational songs. What are they? Go. Most motivational songs. I gave you three because I know there was, there's always, you have one for sure. So that's the challenge. Man. You mean one that plays when he speaks? Is that what you well, mean? Well, he here? plays, he plays a couple. Yeah. I'm pulling, I'm, I'm, I, I'm walking up on, on answering and I feel like I'm, I'm failing here because I can't, I can't pull any motivational. Uh, we, are we thinking like Eye of the Tiger? Is this what you're thinking, Aaron? Like something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up? Like what gets you? What gets you charged? It doesn't matter. It could be workout. It could be presentation. You know. And honestly, and this is not, I'm not trying to cop out answer, but any of the any of the you know the 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 YouTube videos you can go and get where it's the 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 orchestra music that's just hype, like for a, a video game trailer or a movie trailer, just hype music in general, and then yeah. someone's speaking over it. That type of music, I connect to it emotionally. Uh, it just, uh, and then the big drop, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I love, uh, not to shortchange the answer. Cause when I think of that, I think of those, but I don't know the names of those. And yeah. so if that makes sense, but I'm yeah. sorry if I failed, yeah. I, it, they're, I feel like they're like cinematic, um, yes. like video epic. drop-ins or whatever. Right? Yeah. yeah. Cinematic yes. Epic. Yes. Yeah. Epic. Epic. Yeah. Yep. And epic, uh, tutorial, epic introduction. Epic. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I know exactly. It can, if, it can be electronic. It can be orchestra. It could be, but it has that, you feel like it's building towards something the whole time, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it, it moves me. And I could, I could literally go to the gym and, and put that music on and, and work out. I also do it to the like Motiversity, I think YouTube channel, they they do the same thing. But they'll yep. take like Eric Thomas or whoever's speaking, The Rock, and he's yelling at you about don't quit. You want to be awesome, you better be awesome, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I really yep. Get yep, Motiv with uh, Motivation University and yeah. uh, there's a couple of great YouTube channels. Alpha that... Motivation, I think is one of them that I click yep. I click through a lot of them and just find one. David Goggins screaming at me about, you know, doing hard I things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, 48 more hours of running, you know, Stay, which, staying hard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, uh, I, I, that, that's a good answer. That's a, okay. that's a clear I, I want to know where I was supposed to go. Cause I, I feel like I've missed the mark. No, you didn't. No, okay. it's, okay. it's different for, for everybody. Okay. Um, okay. you know, we had, we asked, uh, like Jason Patton, what his walk-up song is. And I think he said, uh, uh, Barbie girl or something like that. So it's just every, you know, what, whatever, whatever. <laughs> 
Which man, that's you. a tough one too. I don't know yeah. the walk-up song, man. There's so there's the thing is I'm a music-based person. I love music, man, especially '90s uh, pop, pu uh, punk, and pop punk. Uh, it's like a, a guilty pleasure all the way into the 2000s, man. I really I love so much music. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, what did you old. sing? What what kind of band were you in? Man, it was it was, uh, it was a it was terrible band. That I'll, I'll be upfront. I loved it though. It was awesome. It was me and a few buddies and we, but it was rock. It was, uh, there's no better way to say it. Early two thousands rock. Did you have nice. long hair? That's the other question. No, I've never had long. Well, I've, I was on the job, so I never really had long hair. Okay. All right. And so. Right. Cool. I well, didn't have I, a mohawk at one point. But uh, it was more, all right. I can see a, that. It was yeah. an extreme faux hawk because I really couldn't have a true mohawk because it's against our grooming policy. So, <laughs> it was more of an extreme faux hawk, but it was pretty tall. So, well, this is, this is awesome. Again, we could, we could go for hours and, and I would summarize this whole thing with, you know, passion happens when you have a mission, when you're feeling like you're making an impact, complacency happens just as much, uh, for those that are passionate like yourself and knowledgeable and that we have to find ways to dig deep, whether it's music connection with people, the combination of it. Um, but you know, we're all in this together, right? Like nobody is immune to a lack of motivation. Nobody's immune to complacency. And um, you have to, you know, look around uh, to, to try to find ways out of it. You have to find great, inspiring people like yourself, Chief, and, um, and then thank them for that inspiration. And, and Janelle, too, uh, you're inspiring the fire service by what you write and by getting great guests like Chief on. And so for those that are, are listening to us, uh, don't ever end your search to uh, find your inspiration. And if you uh, ever need more inspiration, just look up, look around. And most importantly, uh, thank you for listening to us. Chief, thanks for joining. If those that are listening could rate and review the show, if you could watch on video, you could see us on YouTube. And I highly recommend just uh, taking in all of the passion you could see come out of, of Chief Corley Moore. Um, again, if you have questions, you can reach out to us on firerescue1.com, but most importantly, everybody learn something, do something and share something to make you and those around you better every shift. Thanks for listening. Thank you both.